Welcome to We Chat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of We Chat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, offering divorce financial planning so clients can secure the divorce settlement they deserve. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to request access. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I welcome Tony Stewart, an internationally recognized financial preparedness advocate, podcaster, and award-winning author. Our episode today is all about preparing for divorce. Financial literacy matters. And in this episode, we're going to discuss healthy habits to see you through divorce, being empowered with your money, taking control of your financial life, and creating a system for organizing and maintaining your money. But first, let's meet Tony. Tony is a trailblazer in thought leadership. His newest book, The Get Ready Blueprint, a 52-week guide to changing the way you think about money, The Get Ready Method, seeks to empower people to take control of their money while providing a framework for integrating financial products, financial advice, and advisors. Welcome, Tony. Hi, Karen and Catherine. Uh, Thanks for having me on today. Of course, it's our pleasure. So Tony, I typically like to start out our discussions with having you share a little bit about your story and how you came to be where you are today, helping people think differently about money. Well, sure. Um, so I started out many years ago as a insurance agent, and I quickly found the people across the spectrum, including advisors, didn't really understand insurance products. So I uh, got a separate license, uh, life and disability insurance analyst, which allowed me to do fee-based insurance consulting. Uh, and in that role is I got to see how people actually use their insurance policies um, versus how they, you know, what the policies thought they would do. So, you know, it led me down the path of thinking, okay, well, part of it's education, but a big part of it is communication, is people thinking they were getting one thing and ending up with something else. Uh, So I started doing some writing uh, and got into further into education, which led me to the mission of changing the way we think about money is because first it was changing the way we think about insurance, but insurance is really just part of a financial um, spectrum. It's the backstop uh, for the rest of our financial lives. Thank you, Tony. (laughs) I think a lot of times the, you know, our life and our story develops just based on the needs we see. So that's, that's really great. So let's, let's hop into our topic today. When people are starting to go through a divorce and obviously a big part of divorce is money, even if it's, your first time. Let's talk about some tips of starting to be in charge of those financial decisions and specifically your money. Well, I I think the biggest thing is to one is to not panic and, um, you know, take a deep breath. You know, you're, it's a, it's a huge life change. And, And as you mentioned, for some people, it's the first time where they're really in charge of their money as their spouse may have uh, manage the money or, 
the information about their money. Um, so take the time to think about what you actually want to accomplish. Um, so instead of getting caught up perhaps in specific financial products and services and assets and debts and property and all that is think, think about what you really want, you know, um, because then that might help you decide, well, is part of the house something that's important to me? Is that gonna help me meet my goals? Or would it be better to just get some cash and be done with everything? So that that's a big part of it is to think about what you want and what you want to accomplish. That's a that's a strong point to make because a lot of times in divorce, you know, people are either going off of what their spouse is telling them that they're going to get, what their attorneys are telling them they'll be able to get them, what their kids say that they want. And you never really take that step to say, okay, what do I want? You know, one of the things about our portrait that I love is once you're prepared and you see the different scenarios, you get to see what the impact of those are, but then you get to back it up. Like you said, what is it that you want and need? Because want and need are two different things um, so that you can make those decisions for yourself, which again, will start that journey to changing the way you think about money, right? That's hundred percent is, uh, you know, it's, can you take control of the conversation? And that's, you know, that's where the book comes in is I get into habits that you can build that will help you actually do that to take this from being like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is what I want to do to here's some nuts and bolts to actually do it. Because that, that's a tough part is there's millions of financial products and services and TikToks and videos and all that, but they don't teach you uh, often a mindset and the questions to ask. And I think that's probably the most important thing is to be able to learn how to ask the right questions, because, you, because if you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. Don't that's be afraid so to ask those questions. Sorry, Karen. You no, know, go ahead. You know, get over that fear of asking that question. You know, everybody's so embarrassed that they didn't have a relationship with their finances throughout their marriage or even maybe their whole lives. Um, it's never too late to start and you should never be embarrassed. Yeah, I agree with that. I, f I feel like a lot of people sometimes don't know what questions to ask. You know, on the first initial calls, sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I really think that I want to keep the home. What do you think? And this is right out of the gate. And, you know, just helping them understand, like, let's first unpack what you have. Let's learn about what you have. Let's learn about what you need. Let's learn about how you spend money. And then we can talk about whether your approach that you want to keep the house, you'll understand the impact, the financial impact of that. And then you can make better decisions. And I think, Tony, this goes to your point then of healthy habits, because learning to know what you have before you're trying to decide what you want, I think is really important. So let's talk about, you know, I know your book covers a lot of that. Why are healthy habits important? Well, healthy habits um, allow you to take control. Is healthy habits, you know, in my mind, are things that you can build up to learn how to play the game. You know, um, you know, when I say game, it's you know, it it's understanding the rules. Is so if you were going to play chess, you would learn the rules. You wouldn't expect to just be able to master chess 
by picking up a chessboard. And money is the same thing is that people think, oh, you know, well, you know, I can watch, you know, uh, this video or whatever, and I'm going to understand how to do it. But, you know, it's a repetition where if you become a chess master, and I know nothing about being a chess master, except it's hard work and you have to really be smart, but you have to put in the time. And I think when it comes to our money is that people oftentimes don't understand or miss that they actually have to put in the time to think about their strategy. And that's where habits come in is they help you build a strategy around your money so you can start asking the right questions. But if that's how you take control is by understanding how something is done. So give me a couple of habits, just two, for example. Because I'm a financial well, person, so I'm trying to, so I, I, I'm very comfortable around numbers and money and all that, but I'm trying to think in my head as you talk, like, what's an example of a habit? Um, well, one of the, you know, my favorites is, um, I'm going to beat up on Bitcoin for a second, is thinking about your goals first rather than the product is, you know, when Bitcoin was popular, what, a year ago, two years ago, you know, people were thinking, okay, well, should I buy Bitcoin or not? Nobody asks like, okay, well, this is my plan and I want to be financially independent at 60. Is Bitcoin the right tool to help me get to where I want to go? And I think that's where we flip it around is that we're, we spend so much time going, okay, well, is this, do I need a whole life insurance policy? Do I need this? Do I need that? And we don't ask the question like, okay, well, this, this is where I'm going. What are the tools and resources that are gonna get me to my goal? The other thing that's missed, um, and I'm gonna skip to the last habit, yearly review that I think is so important is that we don't go back and look at things and we don't review them. We buy so many financial services and products and you know, like maybe our 401ks or retirement plans are a great example. You know, we get our uh, IRA and we set our investments and then we don't go back and monitor them and adjust them as our life changes as the um, products themselves change. So getting your setting a habit of reviewing the performance as it relates to your goals, which is great. Yes, you should certainly have a yearly review and uh, and you should have a relationship with your advisor. You know, don't let your spouse be the one or your sister or your brother, whoever else you bring on those appointments with you. So many people bring a crutch with them because they're afraid to do it themselves. But if you can't establish a relationship with your advisor, that's probably not the right advisor for you. Um, so yeah, I, I do like that habit. And the Bitcoin habit is, I guess, was instead of going and purchasing something like I did, I was like, oh, this looks fun. Let me put $1,500 in there and see what happens with it. You know, because it was, I'm a gambler with things like that. And it wasn't taking anything that's not going to change my life. You know, it wasn't like I took my whole life savings and put it into that, but I just thought, well, maybe this is something to add there. So I guess the habit there is looking at why you're making that purchase and what's the goal to it, rather than just jumping into something and doing it. Exactly. You know, and, and to your point is, you know, putting $1,500 into it isn't a big deal. You know, I mean, you can do that with small areas of your financial life, but for a lot of people, they bet pretty heavily on Bitcoin um, and we could go through the ins and outs of whether that's a, you know, was a good strategy or not. Um, but I think, um, Karen, you mentioned something I think is super important about sitting down with an advisor. I think people have to remember that they're the ones who are paying 
for an advisor's time and that the advisor works for them. So if they don't feel, and I know this comes up, you know, I think the stats with widowed and divorced women, 70 to 80% of them will leave their current financial planner. If you're not getting the service or you're not being treated respectfully by that financial advisor planner, you can go to a different one. You don't have to stay with them just because that's who your family used. So I, I think that's important for people to realize is that you have the power. You just have to choose to use it. I really like that. And I think to your point, when people are getting a new advisor, if they're going through a divorce or when they're learning a new habit, as we say, sometimes or hiring a lawyer in divorce situations, they they approach it from the space of, I just need you to fix it. Just fix it for me. And again, they're just handing over their power, right? They're not being empowered and developing healthy habits from what I'm listening to you today is by owning some of that information. But that's really scary to people, right? Because they say, I've never done it. I don't have a degree. This is too much for me. So helping them break it down into pieces of, you don't have to know it all, but asking those questions so that you know if you're good getting good information back. And if someone's responding to you back in, in the way of patronization or, you know, making you feel less than, that's probably not the best person to be working with. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100% is your advisor should talk to you respectfully. They should treat you fairly. They should treat you intelligently. They should answer your questions. They shouldn't make you uncomfortable. Um, there's so many things to that. I mean, we could spend the, the next hour talking about this, but, but I yeah. think it's important to recognize is, do you feel comfortable with your advisor? Do you feel like they're helping you out? We, we all know that as like, you know, maybe switch out advisor for a doctor. If you went to a doctor and your doctor wasn't treating you respectfully and listening to you um, about maybe your symptoms or what your experience, you'd find a new doctor immediately. You wouldn't even think twice about it. But with our financial advisors or insurance agents or attorneys, we oftentimes don't use that same standard because it gets back to Catherine. You mentioned this earlier, money shaming is that we feel like, oh boy, we don't know this about money. This is too complicated. But again, when we go back to our doctor, we don't, you know, if, if your doctor's explaining about a procedure, we don't feel like, oh boy, I should know how to do that procedure. But with money, we feel like, oh boy, we should know that. I should know what a deductible is. I should know, you know, how this works, you know, how what an expense charge is on a mutual fund. You know, where are we gonna have learned that? So don't feel bad. Um, especially if somebody makes you feel bad about not knowing it. Um, you should feel able to ask those questions. And, you know, you can start really simply, right? So you mentioned earlier about one of the habits of reviewing from prior quarters or years or however you're going to do. Some people like monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, annually reviews, whatever works for you. But, you know, most people, you know, I was a financial planner for years. Most, most people just want to see, okay, my $100 is now worth $500 or my, you know, whatever their portfolio is, they want to see that it's growing. So if that is really where your mindset is at today, that's okay. So if the, the value has gone up, ask your advisor, what caused this to go up? 
Or what will I do as this goes up? Or is this reached my goals? You don't have to understand where it's invested at this moment. Just take the first step. If it has gone down, why did this go down? And how, how will you protect me from it going down any further? And if you could just start with the what and the hows, then that'll be your first building block to get comfortable with your advisor. And then if they respond any way that Tony or Karen just mentioned, then you know you need to pivot and find somebody else who is welcoming to any kind of questions that you have. Yeah. And I find that when people are learning something new and, you know, in divorce, you're learning a lot of new things in a very short amount of time, understanding that initially your questions may be random and they may not feel comfortable to you, but the more you ask questions and the more you know, the more educated you are and essentially the better questions you can ask. So being vulnerable enough to ask the questions that just pop up in your head is really okay. And I think you would agree with that, Tony, as well. Yeah. And I think that's where it gets back to remembering that this is somebody who's working for you and is supposed to be there to help you. And if you're hesitating to ask some questions, you have to ask why you're hesitating to ask some questions. And if it's because you feel like you're embarrassed to ask questions and maybe it's a different advisor where you feel more at ease um where you're able to have that conversation because you know catherine as you point out the important thing is to be curious about your money you can't expect to master something that you're not curious about absolutely a good way to tony, put it yeah tony you talk about some tips to organize a system for your money how, how do how do you help people with that well, um, so, you know, um, with the Get Ready Blueprint is I created a financial calendar uh, because a big part of the financial world is that people don't review all areas of their financial life. So I wanted to create a system where it was easy for people to take a weekly action item and review it. So they, over the course of the year, they're reviewing all areas of the financial life and they can do it the following year because part of the reality is people aren't going to do everything every week um you know that's completely unrealistic and so that should be okay uh but for example some of the things and this comes into play uh with divorces like checking the beneficiaries on your bank accounts on your retirement plans on your insurance policies and making sure they're up to date that's one of the things that i found as an insurance consultant is an ex-spouse as a beneficiary on a life insurance policy and that's just because somebody put in a drawer and they didn't review it. So, you know, that's one of the weeks. So it's having a system. Um, obviously, I think people should be using my system, but, you know, whatever system works for you uh, to make sure that you're touching all areas of your financial life on a basis that works for you. I love that. I really like that. Tony, what's your number one tip for changing the way you think about money? Uh, it's to be curious and to ask questions. If you don't ask questions, you're not going to get answers. And if you, and you're not going to get the right answer. So, you know, keep asking questions until you feel comfortable with the answer. Sometimes you do have to ask more than one question. Uh, if you hear a term in a conversation with your attorney, your accountant, your financial planner, your insurance agent, ask them, ask them to explain it. And if their explanation still doesn't make sense to you, ask them to explain it a little bit more, uh, but to be curious and that will help you take control is by asking questions. 
That's excellent. Really excellent. So this concludes this episode on preparing for divorce. Financial literacy matters. Tony, how can our listeners find you and learn more about you? Uh, well, you can go to my website, TonyStewart.com, or you can uh, check me out on LinkedIn um, as Tony Stewart. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, um, you'll get the weekly action item uh, at no cost. It's complimentary. Oh, that's excellent. I love that you do that. Thank you so much for a fantastic conversation. Well, thank you both for having me on today. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Tony. If you're considering divorce, make sure to protect your wealth with divorce financial planning from My Divorce Solution. Our certified divorce experts will help you untangle your finances and understand your settlement options so you can negotiate your marital assets with confidence. Protect your financial estate with divorce financial planning. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to see if you qualify to work with our financial divorce experts. That's MyDivorceSolution.com for expert divorce financial planning. Thanks for joining us on another episode of We Chat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you're looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.